Heavenly Father, God, I just pray, God, that um, man, that we would have the patience to wait on you. God, our hearts are, are often far from you. We often want what we want and we want it right now. God, I pray that we would wait on you. I pray that we would have the diligence to wait on you. We'd have the dependence in you to wait on you. God, I pray that, man, what we sung would be true, that your love would be our delight. It's so easy to sing, but God, please let that be true of our heart, that we would delight in you above any other thing. God, I pray that this delighting in you, this delighting in your love would cause us to hate sin. God, I'm, I'm asking you right now, God, I'm asking that you would help me as I, as I preach this morning because, Lord, I need you. Lord, I cannot do this on my own. Lord, I need your help. So, Father, please, would you do me this favor and would you just open up people's ears so that they might hear your gospel? Lord, would you open up people's eyes so that they might see your gospel? Father, please open up people's hearts so that they might experience the love and the grace and the mercy of your gospel. Father, do it. Do it in this room, God. Save people's souls because of this message, God. I pray that you would use this message to use for the, for the people who know you already, God, to draw them deeper to you. God, I need you. God, we all need you. God, I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Cross Community Church. Morning. Listen, it is a pleasure to, to worship with you this morning. As Cole told you all, this is all right. We got light in the darkness. Uh, I'm going to just keep on trucking. I guess I don't need to see y'all. Oh, oh, we do need somebody who does need to see. So I just... I just wait. Hallelujah. <laughs> to God be the glory. Genesis 1 3 says, God said, let there be light, and it was so. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, um, yeah, Cole had mentioned um, this is my first time worshiping with Cross Community Church uh, as a whole, but it's not my first time with the youth ministry. Um, we had an awesome time during winter retreat. If you were with us during winter retreat, can I hear you make some noise? Okay, we got a little bit of people, a little bit of people in the room. So do me this way. Um, we talked about, uh, I, I said one thing over and over and over. And I, I just want to see if you got your memory, uh, if you got your memory still, okay? So I'm going to just say a word and then a uh, 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 sentence and you finish it with one word, okay? The word of God has... Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm going to say it one more time. The word of God has power. That's what it is. And I pray that the word of God uh, has been impacting your life with power since then. I also want to give a special shout out to my main man, Cole. As he said, we did ministry together back in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, man, as me and my wife, we're uh, coming. She's here with us today. Uh, she's here with me. She, my, my beautiful wife. She, we've been married for uh, almost two years. It's been a great time being married to her. But as we were coming in and uh, man, we were uh, just being shown around by Cole, 
Candace, she had this thought. She said, man, I wonder how many men have the gift of hospitality? And uh, as Cole has just been a, a great host to us, I can certainly say that he certainly does have the gift of hospitality because he has been a great host to us. I just want to say thank you, brother. I really appreciate you. But seriously, though, I am super grateful to be here, super grateful to worship with you and to break open God's word. But that being said, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a friend who requires a little extra grace? You know the friend I'm talking about. I'm going to put it bluntly. They are annoying. They get on your nerves. It's like they get in the way at just the wrong time. And just in case you say, you feel like, Nico, this is church. You can't say that. I just want to remind you that you are that person for somebody. <laughs> I know I am. Somebody somewhere cannot stand it when I open up my mouth. That's okay. You know, you know this person. They're, they're trying to tell a joke that's not funny. They're trying to get the attention of the crowd in a way that makes you cringe to the point where you get secondhand embarrassment. They want to talk about a book or a television show that they enjoy, but you have no idea what they are talking about. Because after all, you got better things to do. You think to yourself, sheesh, does this person not have any social awareness? And before you get off on your high horse, again, I want to remind you, somebody thinks this way of you. When these people enter our lives, we tend to view them as interruptions. They interrupt our time. They interrupt our lives. Oftentimes, they interrupt our very thoughts. All we want to do is nicely but firmly say, hey, go away. You're annoying me. So what do we do when this kind of person enters our lives? You know, the good, Christ-centered, Christian, loving thing to do is to treat them the way we want to be treated, to see them the way that Christ sees us, but our flesh tells a different story. Our flesh is pretty much consumed with our own wants and our own desires. Cross Community Church, I submit to you today that this is one of the primary reasons that we may fail to be making disciples. Because the people that God has placed in your lives that need him are the people that some people called extra grace required. But I want you to remember, we are all extra grace required. Actually, the phrase ought to be grace required because any grace applied is extra in the first place. Here's my point. What if the reason we're not making disciples is because we don't want to take the time for others who interrupt our lives? If Christ's bride, the church, is going to be successful at the mission of God, it's going to be because we took the time to see the overlooked. It's going to be because we took the time to hear those without a voice, to make the time for people who need more of your time. Y'all, this is what the discipleship process requires. Not only will we have to do this with the people in our lives, but we got to do this across generations. Cross Community Church, 
I want you to know that you aren't the only ones who want to get rid of interruptions that God calls people in our lives. Actually, the passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning shows that the disciples may have felt the very same way. Go ahead and look at me, look with me at Luke chapter 9. We're going to be starting at verse 10. And on their return, the apostles told him, being Jesus, all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Verse 11. When the, town, when the crowd learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provision, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Cross Community Church, if you are taking notes today, the title of today's message is Making Space. Somebody say, Make Space. I'm going to return to this idea all throughout today's message, but uh, something else you might want to write down is disciples make space for others to meet Christ. Disciples make space for others to meet Christ. I'm going to say it one more time. Disciples make space for others to meet Christ. What is being described in this passage of Scripture is actually pretty popular. It's definitely one of those stories that you, 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 you hear in Sunday school because it tells about the power of Christ. It's also uh, one of those stories. Um, it's, here's a little fun fact. There are only two miracles in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are recorded in every one of the Gospels. There are only two of them. There are only two of them. The first one is the feeding of the 5,000, and the second one is the resurrection of Christ. So we know that this passage or this story, this event in Scripture is pretty important. The reason why I bring it up to you now is because I want to show you the difference between the way the disciples respond to interruptions and the way that Christ responds to interruptions. Brings us to point number one. The disciples return. Everybody say the disciples return. Um, let's look back at verse 10 in your Bibles. It says, on their return... The apostles told him all that they had done. I just want to pause real quick because, man, um, when we study the Bible, whenever we look at a passage, we need to know, man, what are we talking about? The, the disciples were returning. Where are they returning from? Well, earlier in this chapter is chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Jesus had just sent the disciples out on their first missionary journey. 
Jesus gives them the power to heal the sick and to cast out demons and to proclaim the kingdom of God. He says, I don't want you to take an extra pair of sandals. Don't take any money. Don't take any food. I just want you to trust the provision of God. Can you imagine? Twelve people, a ragtag group of people who didn't make the cut, who were outcasts of society, and Jesus commissions them to work wonders. And the Bible says that they all came back together and they told Jesus all that they had seen and done. I just want you to imagine this scene with me. The 12 disciples that had been originally sent out two by two, they'd all come back together and they're telling stories to Jesus, each of what they'd seen and done. Can't you just see it? I can just, I can just see John stand up and say, yo, Jesus, guess what, man? Me and James, we didn't bring no provisions for the journey, and it seemed like every time we was hungry, somebody gave us a meal. I can see Peter stand up and say, oh, yeah, John, boy, I do you one better. Me and Andrew, we was out walking and proclaiming the kingdom to this one guy, and he's like, yo, can you please save my daughter? And we call on the name of Jesus, and she was healed. And then Matthew, Matthew stands up and he says, yeah, me and Bartholomew, we was out there doing our thing. We was talking about Jesus, talking about the kingdom. And this old man come on and he just start yada, yada, yada. And he had to have a demon. So we called on Jesus' name and that demon just left. I'm just, again, this is just my, my spiritual imagination. But there's Jesus, he just, he's just eating all of this up because this is what he came to do, to train up these men and to seek and save the lost. The last part of verse 10 says that he took them and he withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Now, just to review the disciples, they return, they're telling Jesus all they had seen and done. And then Jesus says, "I right, boys, let's go on retreats. Actually, when this same story is told in Mark, Jesus says, come away with me to a desolate place so you can get some rest. Instead of the disciples getting a chance to finish their stories and actually get some much needed rest, somebody recognizes Jesus and they told somebody and that somebody told somebody. And before you know it, there was a large crowd of people in the very locations where the disciples were supposed to be getting some rest. So what happens? In verse 12, when the disciples see that the sun is going down, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, send them away. Send them away. Now, the text that we're looking at today says they, they probably had a very good reason for wanting to send the people away. They say, send them away so that they can find lodging and find food. If I'm being honest here, I think that this is a cop-out, okay? I think that the disciples are really just being selfish with their, with their time with Jesus. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that this is not a cop-out. Let's say that they are being sincere in saying, Jesus, they ain't got no food and they ain't got nowhere to lay their head. You want to know what's kind of ironic about this? You want to know what's kind of funny about this whole thing? It's just that the disciples have just returned from a missionary journey where every one of their needs have been provided for and they didn't contribute a single cent. They, they, they needed somewhere to lay their head and somebody gave it to them. They needed something to eat and somebody gave it to them. The disciples are saying, Jesus, send the people away. 
they are not doing a very good job of making space for others to meet Christ. It really makes me think, okay, okay, okay. How am I doing in this? What is my posture when someone interrupts me, when I am watching my favorite show on Netflix and that person calls me? Man, am I frustrated or am I patient? Uh, Am I annoyed or am I at peace? You know what I think makes the difference? If we would just remember what God has done in being patient with us. See, the the disciples, they had just experienced God's provision, but somehow they couldn't fathom it being applied to somebody else. Remember how I said we were all annoying to somebody? We're an interruption to somebody. Listen, if God wasn't all-knowing, we would have been an interruption to him. If God didn't know the end from the beginning, we would have been the most inconvenient interruption of all time. But praise be to God that God does know the end from the beginning because he saw us and he named us before the world was even created and he sent Jesus to come out of heaven to die for you. Y'all, if we could just, if we could just reflect on this, if we can meditate this, if this idea would sink down into our very soul, my belief is that it would change the way that we think about others. When somebody interrupts your time and your plans, what if you had the thought, Jesus took the time to see about me? Even though I didn't deserve it, even though, even though I, 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 wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking about Jesus, because by the way, I'm a grace-required person. Y'all, that brings us to point number two, okay? Point number two is the Savior's welcome. Um, everybody do me a favor. Turn to the person and say, hey, you're welcome. Turn to the person behind you and say, you're welcome. If everybody turning backwards, then who they going to say it to? We didn't think that one through. I just, I just want to make it clear, just in case you're confused, I want to clarify. We're not saying you're welcome in response to somebody saying thank you. No, we're saying you're welcome as in you are welcome within the kingdom of God. Because of Jesus, there is a place for you. Jesus made space for you. Somebody say made space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, when, that's why Jesus is saying you're welcome in both senses of the word. You're welcome. Let's look at scripture. Uh, starting at verse 11, it says, when the crowds learned it, they followed him and, and Jesus, he, he welcomed them and spoke to them the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Skip down to verse 13. It says, the disciples asked Jesus to send them away. And he says, you give them something to eat. And then skip down again to verse 14. Jesus tells the crowds to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So let's just review. Okay, on the way to the boys' retreat, the crowd interrupts Jesus, and he welcomes them, and he proclaims the kingdom, and he heals the sick. This is almost word for word what Jesus tells the disciples to do in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Almost word for word. It's almost as if Jesus is putting into practice what he told the disciples to do. It's almost as if he's showing the disciples that what you did on your missionary journey, it's not just for the missionary journey. It's about everyday life when you're walking with Jesus. And when the, when the disciples, when the disciples ask Jesus to send the people away, he 
does the exact opposite. He says, instead of sending the people away, he says, sit down. And when the disciples say, but Jesus, we ain't got no food, Jesus says, well, you feed them. I can just see the disciples now. I can just see them. Somebody probably was like, um, hey, Jesus, can, can you come here for a second? Jesus walks over to him. He says, um, we got we got five loaves of bread, and we got two fish. It's 5,000 people. <laughs> and Jesus, just as patient as he is, he's like, give me this bread and tell them people to go sit down. <laughs> Jesus makes space for the crowd. See, the disciples, they didn't want to make space for the crowd, but Jesus did. And we got to ask ourselves uh, our question, uh, Why? Listen, you really ought to read this passage in the four different accounts. But Mark's account says that he had compassion for them like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus made space for the crowd, for the interruption, because he had compassion. Compassion compelled him to create space. Jesus himself was on his way to uh, spend time with his boys. Jesus was, himself was on his way to getting some rest, but he wasn't so busy that he didn't have time to share about the kingdom of God. You know, uh, we often say in our culture, I'm not perfect. Everybody know that. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody perfect except Christ. Christ is perfect. Well, one of the reasons that Jesus was perfect was so that he could literally give you his perfection. And, and it was the great exchange. God would give you his perfection and you would place, God would place on Jesus your sin, your imperfection. Now, the Bible says that because of your imperfection, you should have died. But because of the grace and the mercy of our God, Jesus died instead of you. And not only did he die, but he didn't stay dead. Stay dead. Three days later, he got up out of the grave and he dusted off a seat before you in the kingdom of God. So now if you place faith in his name and you surrender your life to his lordship, you have a spot in the kingdom of God. Now, this ought to affect the way that we think about how we think about other people. Y'all, this word really hits me right in the jaw. It just, right in the jaw. Uppercut. Because uh, it seems like every time I'm preparing a message, God is like, hey, this message is for you, buddy. This one is for you. He, 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 he gave me so many opportunities to practice what I was about to preach. I'll give you an example. Man, as I was preparing for this message, this past Tuesday, uh, I woke up and I see this message on my phone. Now, I wake up at 6 a.m. because I have a, a pretty strict morning routine. It's pretty strict. I, Candace knows. She, I don't like nothing to get in my routine. I wake up at 6. I do my quiet time. Then I uh, go out work out for a little bit. Then I eat some breakfast. I pack my lunch, and I'm ready to go to, to work. But before I even start on any of this, I got a text message, and I'm looking at the text message. I already know who it's from, and I know what he's about to ask. He says, Nico, can you do me a huge favor? I know what this man about to ask. This man is about to ask me to drive him to work. And I'm thinking to myself, if I drive this man to work, he's going to interrupt my morning schedule. You know, I shouldn't have thought the words that I thought in my head. Because the second I, I thought interruption, that's when I thought about the text that I was going to preach today. I said, Lord, 
And my folks, he said, what you preaching on? I said, okay. Get the keys. Come on. I'm, I'm coming. Y'all, because we are called to imitate Christ, we are, we are called to welcome those who may feel like an interruption. Because in actuality, we might be contributing to what God is doing in someone's life. And who knows, maybe God is trying to do something in yours. Y'all, that brings us to point number three, the bread of provision. We talked about the disciples' return. We saw the Savior's welcome, and now we want to look at the bread of provision. Everybody say bread of provision. Bread of provision. Look with me at verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he, being Jesus, looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. I want you all to look at what happens. Jesus takes the bread and the fish that was offered up, and he prays over them, and he multiplies its effectiveness. The account of this story recorded by John states that the bread and fish actually belonged to a boy that was just there. In John chapter 6, verse 9, it says, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? The way that it's written, it's almost as if the boy wasn't even with the disciples, but that he just showed up and he happened to have some food in the midst. Can you imagine bringing your lunch to work or to school and then somebody coming to you and saying, Hey, can we just have your lunch and just share it with everybody else? I just want you to keep in mind, this young boy, he had no idea that Jesus was about to do what he did. But he did it anyway. He gave it up anyway. And yet, Jesus takes this offering and he multiplies its effectiveness. And Jesus prays over the food and he hands it to the disciples to pass out to over 5,000 people. Y'all, here's my point. Jesus turned an interruption and made it into an opportunity. He took what looked like an intrusion for him and his disciples, and he made it into a moment. Here, Jesus showed off his compassion, his power, and his provision. He showed his compassion by welcoming the crowd, by teaching, by healing, and by feeding them. He showed his, his power by multiplying the packed lunch of a young boy, and he shows his provision by ensuring that every person had an opportunity to have something to eat. All this came because Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted. What's more, and y'all, this is my favorite part, is that he involved the disciples in the whole entire process. Jesus asked the disciples to provide the food. Jesus told the disciples to sit the people down in groups of 50. Jesus had the disciples hand out the bread and fish. Not only does Jesus use the, oper the, the interruption to provide for the crowd, but Jesus also uses the interruption to involve the disciples in what he was seeking to do in the lives of others. Cross Community Church, we have got to ask ourselves, what is God intending to do through you in the midst of an interruption? What is God intending to do in you in the midst of an interruption? Hopefully, this passage encourages you to see an interruption as an opportunity to share the message of God's kingdom. Instead of the disciples who saw, who saw the crowd as an interruption and they were ready to send the people away, let's have the compassion of Christ and bring the people closer. Y'all, here's my warning. Here's my warning. We got to be careful because guess what? We are not Jesus. 
we can't do this for everybody. You will kill yourself trying to be available for everyone. So I'm not suggesting that you allow every interruption to throw off your plans for the entire day. That would, that would sometimes mean that you are irresponsible. But I do want you to consider what is the current posture of your life? Do you make time for others or is it your habit to shut down any abnormality of your day out of selfishness? Uh, if you're new to Bible study, at the end of the, the book of Matthew, Jesus gathers his disciples together and he, and he says, hey, I want you to make more of yourselves. I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach them all that I've taught you. And this is what we call the Great Commission. Church, if we're going to be obedient to Jesus' call in the Great Commission, it will require making spaces for others in our lives. So I just want to give you a few practical ways to do that. We talked about the heart, and I want to give you a, a few practical applications. Um, I'm a, this is my application. I just got three applications. It's going to be short, but I'm a preacher, so you can't really trust me. Uh, number one is keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. You will never make space for the people that you can't see. If you are always focused on you and what you're trying to accomplish and what you are doing, you will never see someone else. Ask God, beg God to give you the eyes to see the people he's putting in your life. Ask God to give you the compassion to care for others the way he does. Uh, number two, create margin in your life. Listen, you cannot make space for people to meet Christ if you don't have time or resources. Y'all, margin is just a fancy way of saying extra, okay? I want you to create extra time and extra resources so that you can help others. For example, don't fill up your schedule from meeting to meeting or appointment to appointment because when somebody tries to uh, interrupt your life, you're going to see them as an interruption. I, I got to get to the next thing. I got to get to the next thing. I was known for this in college. People stopped inviting me places because they was like, Nico, he busy. I didn't get an opportunity uh, to, to be with the people that, I, that God had given me because I had filled up my schedule. Here's another way that you can create margin in your life is, is with your resources. Y'all, resources is just church speak for money, okay? I just want I'm talking about money. You can create margin in your life by planning for it. Now, I know everybody's in a different financial space. I get that. There's different things going on in your life. But listen, this is what I'm trying to call you to. I'm trying to call you to, to building a budget, to living below your means as much as you can. So like, for instance, me and my, my wife, we, 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 we have a budget and we plan for our, our tithe and we plan for our offering, but we also have um, separate budget accounts, separate line items for just general generosity. Because, you know, people are going to come up and say, hey, Nico, can you support me? I'm about to go on this missionary trip. Uh, or, or just a need arises. Man, we don't have to think about how is the budget going to work together. We, we ain't got to fix the budget. No, it's already been planned for. We've created margin for somebody else to meet Christ so that we we get the opportunity to be Christ and to meet a need the way that God might. Here's the third way, third way to, to, to create space for others to meet Christ is to serve where you are gifted. So Jesus gave the, the great commission to the church and the church is not a building. Y'all know that because we in YMCA. <laughs> the church is not a building. The church is a people. 
It's a people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when when we place faith in Jesus Christ, God gives us his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, a gift comes. Use your gift to serve the building of the church, the building, not the, the, the body of Christ. Uh, when Paul talks about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he compares the body of Christ to an actual body. He's trying to let us know that not everybody is equipped to do everything, and that is good. That's good because that means you ain't supposed to do it all. Taylor's not supposed to do it all. Cole's not supposed to do it all. You are supposed to play a part. I'm just asking that you would serve where you are gifted because when you serve where you're gifted, then the body begins to work really well. And when the body works well, it makes space for other people to meet Christ. I just want you to think, hey, if if you call Cross Community Church your home and you are not actively serving, I want to call you to think about serving not as an interruption, but as an opportunity. You know, I was, uh, you know, you know, the, uh, there's a, a group of people in our culture that our culture would call an interruption. You know who they would be? People under 18 years of age. These people under 18 years of age, uh, they can't provide for themselves. Most of the time they can't drive and they're like very, very needy. Like all the time. And uh, you, know what, you know what Jesus had to say about children? Y'all, Jesus often made space for children. Uh, Luke chapter 18, uh, there's a group of parents. They're bringing their children to Jesus because they want Jesus to bless them and to, to lay his hands on them. And the disciples are doing what they did in this passage. It's a pattern. They say, get away, send them away. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You, you let them babies come to me. You let them babies come to me because I want you to know that such belong the kingdom of God. He even goes so far to say that if you don't receive Jesus, if you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you won't even enter the kingdom of God. What God is trying to say, what Jesus is trying to communicate is like, man, we got to rely on Jesus the way that children rely on their their caregivers. Y'all, I was talking to Cole just last week, and he said at their youth event, man, there was over 60 youth, 60 youth. They they are extended, they are overextended in their building space. Y'all, what if we saw that as as an opportunity? What if if Cross Community Church had the mindset like Jesus said, no, 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 let me come to the little babies. Let me be a part of what God is doing in our youth. Because let me tell you, if we're going to be successful in the Great Commission, it's not just about the people in our lives, but it's also about the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. What if you saw it as 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 an opportunity? Man, I'm telling you, It's nothing cooler than getting an opportunity to see a seed that you helped to plant grow into a beautiful flower. Ah, man, it's beautiful. And so, listen, I'm really asking. I want want you to think about it. I just, I want to call you. If you're not serving, serve where you're gifted. And hopefully, maybe you're gifted in the area of, of youth and children. So join up with the kids team. Join up with the youth. Become a small group leader for the, for the student ministry because there's a need. And when there's a need, it's an opportunity. Because y'all disciples make space for others to meet Christ. Y'all, let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, 
I'm just so grateful because you, you're just so good. You are just so good. Lord, I'm just like a disciple. I want to send everybody away. I, I don't want you to interrupt my life. But God, I'm so grateful that you keep sending people to me, reminding me that I was, I could have been an interruption in your life, God. I'm so grateful that you, you did not view that way of me. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. You know I didn't deserve it. God, I thank you. God, I pray that this message would just speak into the hearts of the people listening, God. I pray that they would make space for, for others to meet Christ. God, I know you can do it. God, I also pray for the people in this room who, who don't quite know you yet. God, I pray that something in this message would have stirred their spirit, God, that your spirit would have been doing something, God, that when they heard this message, how you made space for them, even though they didn't deserve it, they just realized that it was true, that your great love and your great mercy made space for them. God, I pray all these things according to your name because your name is good. And I will tell of you to all the generations in Jesus' name. Amen.